Good morning, good morning, good morning, man. Woo! I'm glad I came to church. I don't know about you guys. I could, I could go home right now, get maybe get a cider and donut and be good the rest of the day. Amen? You know what I'm saying? Hey, good morning and welcome to Alive Family Church. We're so glad to have each and every one of you guys joining us this morning. Uh, we are in our fourth and final week of our series we've been in uh, the entire previous month called Oh My Soul. And uh, we've been braving the, the, this, this uh, challenge to go on this journey together for greater, better soul health. And, um, you know, we've been leaning into this series that, uh, this statement where we cannot be spiritually mature and remain emotionally immature. We can't, we can't be spiritual giants, even if we have all the faith in the world, know all the Bible, do all the miracles and all that, yet we remain an infant so in our soul, in our emotions, God wants us to be healthy, whole, and healed in all areas of our walk. And so if you missed any of the weeks in this series, man, I really encourage you to go back, take a look at it, watch it online, listen to the podcast. I believe it will be a blessing for you. But in case you're, maybe you're joining us for the first time or you missed a few, really quick, I'm talking really quick recap. Are you guys ready here? You should already have this in your notes if you have been with us, but in case you don't, week one was spirit, soul, and body, right? We talked about how we are a three-part being. We see that in the word through 1 Thessalonians 5.23 where God says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So we learned that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a physical body, right? This is the foundation that we build everything upon, right? Week two, we talked about how to feel our feelings, right? We got all up in our feelings a little bit. We learned that feelings or emotions are indicators, right? And that it's important for us to uh, be aware or feel our feelings, locate them, to, to learn from them. What is God trying to tell us through them? And then obviously to lean into him with our feelings and our emotions. And we see God's heart and will in all of this in 3 John chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, and be in health just as your soul prospers. Amen? So how many of you guys know God wants all of us to prosper? Spirit, soul, and body, right? Last week was phenomenal. Pastor Erica did a great, great job talking about heart and soul. She kind of helped us wrestle with, so where does our heart fit in all of this mess, right? And talked about the importance of taking good care and guarding our hearts, right? We learned that our spiritual heart actually resides within our soul, which is our, our mind, our will, emotions, our intellect, right? And we learned that the heart is the decision-making center that helps discern between body and spirit and all of that. And it kind of all flows through the heart. And it's important for us to protect it, right? We see in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Amen? And in case you missed last month, there you go. Praise God. But today we're going to wrap things up and um, together with the Holy Spirit, I really do feel like the Holy Spirit's like, he's got the key this morning and he's like walking through the rooms of our soul and he's going to, he's going to go to places that maybe we haven't been in a while or that we don't want him to go. And so just as a word of caution and a warning, uh, today might be a little bit heavier, but just because it's heavy doesn't mean it's bad. Just because it's weighty doesn't mean we shouldn't go there because God's got blessing on the other side of it. Amen. 
There might be some emotions, some, some pain, some, some trauma, some childhood memories, some wounds, some, some different things, some flood of emotions that might hit us at different parts of the service today. But how many of you guys know God is a gentleman and he's faithful? And he's been so faithful to us this entire series to walk us where we need to go. And how many of you guys know God wants us to be healthy spirit, soul, and body even more than we do ourselves? And he's going to be a gentleman, and in doses, he can help walk us to the deeper, darker places of our soul and our hearts that need healing, that still need a touch, that still need him to do a work in us. And when we allow him to do that, we become so much more well-rounded and healthy spirit, soul, body. Amen? And so we can't be afraid. we got to have courage. we got to have faith this morning. Are you guys ready to walk with the Holy Spirit hand-in-hand hand into some stuff that isn't really talked about much in church circles and a lot of times is ignored and, and put on the backside? I believe God is going to bring it to the forefront today. He's going to do some work and some healing. Amen? Anybody agree with that? Amen? I believe it in my heart. And so today, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Wounds and Shadows. Wounds and shadows. Someone say wounds, shadows. Makes sense in a second here. Together, let's take this journey together to see how do we process our wounded souls. Would you pray with me as we open up God's word this morning? Father, we love you so much, and we just thank you for your presence here today. Lord, we, we have faith. We're not in fear. We're in faith. Today, we courageously walk hand in hand with your Holy Spirit into all the rooms you want to go to. Lord, we, we ask you to bring us health and wholeness and soundness in our mind, in our emotions, in our will, in our intellect, Father God, today in the deepest parts of our soul. Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves, and so you know what needs a healing touch. You know what's not been dealt with properly, and Father God, we invite you in today to come do some Holy Spirit surgery in our hearts, Lord God, knowing that, man, what you have in store for us on the back and the fruit from today is so amazing, so incredible. And so today, Lord, we ask you to speak your word with boldness today. And Lord God, may we have hearts and minds to receive it today and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody agreed said, amen. Question for you guys. Have, have you ever in your life had a physical wound that needed medical attention? Let me see a show of hands. A physical wound that needed medical attention. A lot of us, all right? So wives, don't hit your husbands too hard just yet, all right? Uh, maybe maybe you, it was an accident you had on the job. For those of you guys that work with tools or on your hands, maybe you were working around the house or in the yard. You had something sharp and whoops, it kind of slipped there, right? Uh, maybe you were doing an activity that you enjoy or playing a sport and you got a wound or whatnot. Shoot, maybe you were in the kitchen and the knife slipped a little bit and you did did one of these, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, oh, shoot, yeah. I was reflecting this week on wounds, and, and I realized, like, growing up, I was actually really, really blessed. Like, I, I had the normal bumps and bruises and scrapes, like anybody, and I've injured myself in different ways, but I haven't had one, like, super serious where I needed to go to the emergency room for that. But as I was reflecting on wounds and all of these things, I, remi- I was reminded of a time in, in my childhood, my younger brother, Matt, he had, he had quite a few wounds. Uh, he, he was just prone to being hurt or getting hurt and, and whatnot. He was a tough kid. Uh, I remember um, it was actually, we were probably... Uh, probably, uh, oh, I, we grew up right down the road. So like two minutes from here on old US 23 in the Shenandoah subdivisions where we grew up. And so this happened over there. And uh, I was probably upper, lower to upper middle school. He was probably upper elementary school. And we we're playing baseball in a field with some of the neighborhood kids like we always did. And uh, there was a neighborhood kid swinging about, I don't know how it happened, but he was swinging a metal ba- baseball bat. How many of those metal bats hurt, right? If they connect with the wrong thing. 
And somehow Matt was wandering close to him while he was taking full swings, and the bat caught him right in the forehead. And I watched this whole thing. And blood started gushing. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Blood started gushing everywhere, and the scream. And I was like, oh, my gosh. All right? So I remember rushing him home and, and getting him home to mom. And, okay, we need to go to the emergency room. This is not like put a Band-Aid on it, spray some Bactine spray on it to make it sting more, and let's go on with your life. Right? Like, we got to get this fixed. So we go to the emergency room, and I, I just remember, I can still remember just uh, him screaming, and they having to give him the anesthetic shot and cleaning the wound, and then I can't remember if they glued it or actually stitched it together, but I think a little bit of glue on there helps, right? Uh, helps a lot of stuff in life, right? And so uh, praise God, after a few weeks and all that stuff, the wound was healed and my brother Matt went on with the rest of his life. Now, had my brother not addressed that wound, had he not went to the physician, had he not got it cleaned out, had he went about his life, his day and his weeks and his life pretending like it didn't exist at all, it would have been a huge mess, right? Bleeding all over people when they're just trying to hang out, right? Moaning and groaning with the pain every single day of his life, right? Risk of infection and serious long-term issues and really not being very useful at anything because that wound was still there, right? Now, I think we laugh and we joke about this and we get this analogy, but I think a lot of us are trying to do this with our souls, a lot of us are trying to deal and approach the wounds of our souls in this same way. Just like we all experience physical wounds in our body, the, the truth of the matter is we all experience emotional or soul wounds of the heart that must be dealt with in this life. Trauma, cuts, pain, neglect, abuse, dysfunction, right? Neglect, heartache, right? These are all things that happen on a fallen earth. We live on an earth with a curse. It's fallen. People are people and people hurt people and hurt people hurt people, right? Like, like let's, let's just be honest about the world we live in. And David says, the psalmist David in Psalm 23, verse 3, he says of the Lord, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. And as I meditate on this, as I speak this over my life, I also realize this, our souls don't need to be restored unless our souls can get wounded, right? That meant David was dealing with some stuff to proclaim that God actually did something about it, right? He was real with it. Our souls must be healed or restored to really be who God has called us to be. And uh, for time's sake, we don't have time to go to all these scriptures, but I, I believe David, the psalmist David, King David, he dealt with a lot of soul wounds. We see it all throughout the Bible. We see it from his sin, his adultery with Bathsheba and murdering her husband, right? We see it from betrayal. His very own son, Absalom, turns his back and leads a rebellion against his dad. What about a dagger in the heart, right? Even his father. In 1 Samuel 16, Samuel comes to Jesse, the father of all these sons, and is looking to anoint the new king of Israel. And he goes through the line, all the ones that look the part, and he says, no, 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 none of these are it. Do you have anybody else? And Jesse, his dad, says, yeah, we, I, I have the, the, the youngest one in the field. When you study out the term youngest one in the Hebrew, it doesn't just mean lineage as far as hierarchical birth order. It means worthless one. Jesse, David's dad, called him a worthless one. Just on the, in, the shepherd take, uh, he's in the pasture taking care of the sheep. Th that's a father wound that I'm sure David carried along and knew about in his life. It affected every 
area of his life, how he thought about himself, how he interacted with others, how he did life. Half of the Psalms that we read are laments and mourning about broken and wounded conditions of the soul. And if we want to be healthy in our souls, then then obviously we have to face the reality that we all experience soul wounds or emotional wounds in our life. And just to help you out, uh, soul wounds or emotional wounds, they usually come in one of three packages. The first one is this, number one, usually things people do to us can wound our souls. Number two, things that people take from us, our innocence, our, 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 um, our purity, our, our different things in our life that occur, that happened, that people take something from us. And oftentimes, we are wounded from the sins of our past. Our sins, our failures, our missteps can wound us deeply. If you're like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Wounds? Like, what is this, army? Like, like, like here, let me help you locate it. Usually you can locate it in one of two ways if you, if you have a wound or something that might be a wound in your soul. The first uh, area is if you totally overreact about it. Like somebody brings up that person's name or that situation as a childhood and you get angry, you get livid, you start getting all hot and heavy and like your, your heartbeat starts racing. There's something there, right? And let's got, we got to be honest about that, right? Or it's the flip side. You can't tell your story about it. It's a place in your heart where you say, we don't go there. We just don't go there. Well, God wants all of us. And the Holy Spirit should be able to go anywhere in all places in us for healing to happen. And so if we don't go there, then that means we need to let him go there. Because there's something there that's still broken, that's still affecting us, right? That's evidence of a soul wound in our life. And just like a physical wound, it needs to be dealt with properly if it's going to heal and produce fruit on the other end of that, right? And so for a few minutes, I also want to talk about something else. So we've got these soul wounds, these things, fill in the blank. As we start, as I'm talking about this, I'm sure you're reminiscing, okay, what are those? Ah, yeah, those things, that's there, that's there. There's something else that I think often remains in our souls that remains highly unaddressed that does affect how we do life, even as a believer. And it's, so for the sake of our discussion, we're going to call them shadows, all right? Everybody say shadows, Shadows. In addition to the wounds of our soul, we often have shadows that affect our soul health. Now, let me ex- explain what a shadow is. A shadow is the accumulation of all our untamed emotions, our, our less than pure motives and thoughts that, while largely unconscious to us, affect the way we think and act and behave. They shape our behaviors. An uh, easier way to say that would be this. It's the damaged, mostly hidden version of ourself. Our damaged, mostly hidden version of ourself are, is the shadow. These could take form in so many different ways. Sinful behaviors, judgmental perfectionism, outbursts of anger, jealousy, rage, resentment, lust, greed, bitterness, uh, a need and desire to rescue others before we help ourselves, to be liked by people, people-pleasing, a need to be noticed, an inability to stop working. You just can't stop producing or working. It goes on and on and on. These shadows are emotionally unhealthy and they affect our lives in very big ways. And our shadows are also the negative scripts that we allow to play around in our mind and our soul. You know what I'm talking about when I say negative scripts? It's, it's those internalized messages from past experiences that shape our current behavior. Things like, you have to be perfect every time. Don't screw it up. Things like, you can't ever trust people because of the way you were hurt and mistrust happened in your life. Your worth is based solely on your performance and its achievements. 
You must avoid conflict at all costs because conflict is dangerous. These, unne- these negative scripts, right? You'll never be good enough, so don't even try. These things that happen to us often as we're growing up, these experiences that we experience that start to shape and they get seeping into our soul that aren't in line with God's word or God's perfect plan, but they're there and we have to do something about them. And I know this stuff is really uncomfortable to hear. I knew it would be, but it's there. It's in our souls, and we must address it. And God wants us to be healthy in these areas. And it's an important message for the church to hear, because here's the deal. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, when Jesus becomes your Lord and Savior, and you become born again, and you have assurance that you can spend eternity in heaven, and it's the most amazing decision that you ever make in your life, all that happens in your spirit. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a body. So our soul and our body don't experience any of that. It's our job to renew it, to align it onto God's word, and to tell it how it should act. Right? So we can be saved. That's how how you can be... You can be a Christian for years and know all of the Bible and come to church every time the doors are open but be an emotional infant, a, a wounded infant in your soul because you haven't allowed the Lord to go there. And you might be able to give me scripture and verse and quote a bunch of theological people and man, you just know how to do it. But man, inside of you, there's something that you're ignoring. And again, we're not after a large church. We're after a healthy church here to live. Amen. We believe God wants all of our being, spirit, soul, and body to be alive. That healthy things grow. But when we focus on soul health, it gets a little hard before it gets easier, right? I like how the author of the book that we're going through in our leadership lean-ins uh, on, on the third Sunday night of every month from now until the spring, uh, the Emotionally Healthy Leader book. Peter, Peter Scazzaro is his name. I love how he puts this. He, he paints this really easy. I, it, it sticks. And I think it connects. And he says it this way. He says, Jesus is in your heart, but grandpa is in your bones. Jesus might be in your heart, saved, sanctified, delivered, going to heaven, praise God, blessed and highly favored, hallelujah. But grandpa and all of his addictions and his vices and his shortcomings and all of these generational things are in your bones that you must do something with. Those aren't redeemed and saved automatically. And I believe the church has missed it big time. In these areas, right? I, I, think, I think it's important to realize that, man, you get adopted into the family of God when you get saved. But you still have to take care of your family of origin issues. Amen? There ain't no magic wand. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, they're there. Deep down into those rooms of our soul. They need to be dealt with. They need to be dealt with. These shadows come from our family of origin, our earthly families. And we see this scripturally. There's actually this principle, this biblical principle that we can see of the blessings and the sins of our families that go back three to four generations. This principle that what happens in one generation, not always, but often gets repeated in the next generation. We, we see this in, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, blessings that were passed, right? We see this with Moses in Exodus 34, and I want to share a scripture in Numbers 14 for you. Numbers 14, 18 says, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Addiction, abuse, mistrust of authority, lust, adultery, divorce, 
unresolved conflicts, racism, sexism, poor ability to connect emotionally or talk about your feelings. These things can be passed to the third or fourth generation if we don't get them right right now. That's why what we're talking about in this series isn't just for us. It is for us, but it's so much more than us. It affects our kids, our grandkids, and our great-grandkids. And science has confirmed this scripture of occurrence of what we like to call in the church world generational curses. It's called epigenic modification. And what that is, is the choices we make in life actually have the ability to change our genes. Not the skinny or wide leg genes, all right? The, the DNA, the genes that make you up so when you uh, procreate with other people, those genes get passed on. So your decisions today affect and modify your genes. That's how you can pass on your rage issue to your great-grandkids if you don't deal with your anger right now. Wow. This is huge, right? This is so important. It affects. This is legacy-type stuff we're talking about. And we can only, we can't control what has happened to us, but we can control what happens from us. How we respond to the junk in our trunk in our soul. Right? We're born again, spirit filled, woohoo! But we got junk in our soul's trunk. And we can't be like, uh, it ain't there. By the blood of Jesus, come on now, somebody. It's still there. I mean, praise God for your confession, faith confession, yeah, but it, you gotta deal with it. You know what I'm talking about? Let's just be real. Peter Scazzaro says you got to face your shadows. you got to face your shadows, the principle of going back in life, in your soul, to also go forward confidently is really, really important. All right, real quick, is everybody doing okay? We all doing good still? Whew, this is heavy, but so important, right? All right, so now that I think we're all on the same page, we see that, okay, there might be some wounds or some shadows in the soul, in my soul. What do we do with them? I don't want to just leave you hanging, stir it up, and leave, right? Like, let, let's give you some victory points. Let's, like, let's have some action points here, right? So for the remainder of our time, I want to talk about what we do with our wounds and with our shadows. And uh, I got three things for you. And the first one is this. Number one, gain awareness of them. This gain awareness of them. It's simple. You have to know what you're up against if you can ever fight it effectively, right? Right? In the medical field, what do they do? They give it a diagnosis first, and then they recommend a treatment plan that brings healing. You got to know what you're up against so you know how to cure it or fix it, right? Because if we don't know what our wounds are, they will continue to control us year after year, generation after generation. But I'm here, as for me in my house, the buck stops generationally in our family tree right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. You can use your faith authority on that and also be bold and vulnerable and say, Lord, now show me what that is. Give me awareness of this, right? I've heard it said this way. If you can name it, you can tame it. Amen. If you can name it, what is it? Dysfunction, lust, adultery, uh, proneness to divorce, uh, rage issues, emotional uh, infancy. You never know what you're feeling or never talk about it. What is it? Name it. You can tame it with the Lord's help. Amen. But if you can't name it, then it's just going to be there and it's going to rear its head when you least expect it. And it's going it's to bleed all over the people that you love the most right? And, and you guys know, personally, I've just been really transparent with you guys in this series. Week two, I share with you, I've been a Christian for 19 years of my life. I've been a believer in Jesus, a born-again believer in Jesus. Praise God. But for 17 of those 19 years, I was not good with feelings or emotions. 
I didn't go there to the wounds. I didn't realize there were some wounds and some shadows in my life and in my journey that were always there that I just kind of faith confessioned my way through Bible school and into ministry and just swept those under the rug and just said, here we go. I'm a new creation in Christ. So here we go. Right. Although those were always following me and they were always affecting some of my behavior and my interactions, even as a redeemed person in ministry. Right. For like 17 years, I love Jesus. I memorized his word. I went to Bible school. I stepped out in ministry. I made an impact in ministry, yet I was emotionally unhealthy. And God doesn't want us to stay in that place. Praise God by his grace. The last two years, he's opened up the door for a soul health journey for me to get some victory about some stuff. And uh, man, it's been so healing. It's been so, so refreshing. As I said it in week two, it feels like my heart has finally come alive again. My emotions and my soul are like, oh my gosh, there's so much more health than the physical. Amen? And the Lord's also, with the help of him and the Holy Spirit and a lot of others, has helped me just become aware of some stuff in my life, some tendencies towards perfectionism. And it's got to be perfect, otherwise I ain't happy and no one else is happy, right? That These tendencies towards people-pleasing and achievement-based performance modification and And obviously, a lot of constant shame about the sins of my past before I was a believer in Jesus. Can we talk about shame for a second? Because I believe shame, chronic shame, dwells in a lot of our souls. And we don't do anything about it. The best way I can explain the difference between guilt and shame would be, how appropriate, a football analogy. All right? Guys, I'm bringing you back here, all right? It's football season. Guilt is, oh, man, I stepped out of bounds. I stepped out of bounds. Oh, man, well, don't do that next time. That way we can run down the sideline and score a touchdown. I stepped out of bounds. That's, that's guilt. Shame is, I can't get the ball in the end zone no matter what I do. And there's something wrong with me. That's shame. You see the difference there? Guilt, okay, I'll get it right this time. Shame is like, I can never get it right. It turns... I did bad into you are bad. And if you've got some shame over your life and in your soul over a situation that happened years ago or recently or whatever, I believe God wants to set you free from that. Because that shame, that blanket of shame will affect how you view yourself. It will affect how you step out into your calling. It will affect how you interact with your spouse and your loved ones and your kids. It will affect your coworkers. It will affect your career. It will affect everything about you if you don't get it right with the Lord. And so the enemy gets to eat our lunch when we allow this to happen. But as I was sharing here, man, anyways, becoming more aware of my feelings and emotions and shadows has been one of the biggest breakthroughs in my soul journey. And I believe God can do that for you too. How many of you guys believe that God is not a respecter of persons? He's only looking for the people that are willing and able in faith for him to come in and move. I believe it too. And so how can you become more aware of everyone? Just a couple things here. The first one is really basic, but super, super important. Ask God to reveal them to you. Have enough faith and boldness and courage to say, God, what are my wounds and shadows? David gives us a template of a prayer that we can pray every single day. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows the broken parts of our soul the unhealthy parts of our soul, the, the shadows that have been looming generation after generation over our family trees. And he's not scared of them. He's not intimidated by them. If anything, he's like, let me add them. But he's a perfect gentleman. 
And he's given us free will. And so if, we ain't, if we're like, uh-uh, nope, nope, we don't go there, he won't go there. But if we're like, Lord, bring it. Get ready for the flood of pain and emotions and highs and lows because sometimes it gets worse before it gets better, all right? But the goal is that we get better. If we don't go to the doctor when we're bleeding, we can't get better. It might hurt in the moments, but the long-term result is beautiful, amen? We're after heart health, we're after soul health, we're after healing, not dysfunction, transition to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation, but we're blessed and highly favored. Amen? Another way you can do this, uh, this is getting real deep, and those of you guys that are with us in the leadership lean-ins, you you guys are kind of getting into this in chapter two of the Emotionally Healthy Leader book by Peter Scazzaro, but he has a tool called the genogram. A genogram is just basically an easy way for you to map out your family tree three to four generations and not look at it for the sake of who are they. Sometimes that's the hardest part is like, who were they, right? But looking at patterns that were repeated. Okay, great-grandpa had anger. He was an alcoholic, and then his dad was an alcoholic, so that's why. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, he was a womanizer, and boom. and Okay, like you start looking at the relationships and what was repeated to the third or fourth generation. That's what you're up against. Whether you like it or not, it's what you're up against. Some of us have already experienced victory from these things, and Jesus set us free. Praise God. But it could be there if we haven't dealt with it yet. Now is the time to deal with it. We only get one shot at this thing. Amen? And we've got epigenetic modification happening in our, in our bodies right now. So if we don't get rid of it, we're going to pass it along and continue to make dysfunction in our family tree. So if, if, if you, if you want to look at that, you can go to the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship website, Peter Scazzaro, the book that we're reading is going through that. Basically, you got to figure out what grandpa in your bones means for you. All right? And this is no disrespect to grandpa. This is no dishonor to the family tree. We're just talking, we're just getting real. What's there? Amen? We're often just a product of what has happened to us, right? And so uh, here's what I know. If we're aware, we can get proper care. If we're aware, we can get proper care. So that's why step number one is awareness. It's the most important. The second thing we need to do with our wounds and our shadows is number two, process them. Everybody say process. We need to process them. We need to work through them, right? Once you locate some areas that are unhealthy, that's the starting line, not the finish line. It's time to go now. It's time to do some work. And remember, soul health takes time. It takes, it's a journey, not a destination. It's a journey. And we need to allow ourselves some time to process the wounds and shadows of our past, right? How many of you guys know healing takes time too, right? Sometimes you got to go in. Sometimes it can happen instantly from the Lord. But a lot of times it's like, hey, do this and do this over time. And eventually it gets better, right? But it's, it's a journey. It's a journey to health, right? And here's what I know. We never really are good healers of ourselves. I knew from very little, where's mom? Kiss my boo-boo. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need help to heal well, right? And understanding this will help us process our wounds. God never intended for us to do life alone, and he never intended for us to heal alone. And so God's word gives us a nugget of how we can help process this in a healthy way. And it says this in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. It says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. 
In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. There's some safe people that we need in our corners that need to be a listening ear, that need to help us process, that need to be someone we can at least verbalize what we're feeling and what we think we're feeling or dealing with to help us get a right mind around this stuff. The first counselor that you always go to is the Lord. Amen? Not to social media. Praise God. You always go to the Lord with your junk, with your issues, with your burdens. That's scriptural, right? David did that as well. The Holy Spirit is actually described as a counselor. So if you don't have a counselor right now for your wounds, go to the one that is a counselor. Amen? The Holy Spirit, right? That's first and foremost. A lot of times we just stop there, though. And sometimes it's, it's a higher-grade trauma wound that needs more medical care than just, okay, I hurt a little bit. Let's go get a Band-Aid and leave, right? It's deeper than that, and it needs more care. The second level of counseling is someone trusted. Somebody that you can trust, that you can talk to, that you can share your feelings and emotions with, that will ask you some appropriate questions, help you process, maybe give you some good perspective on this. This could be like your spouse or your best friend or a mentor or a spiritual leader. Shoot, even some of the people that you do life with in crews, these could be great candidates for some stuff like this to help you process some of these wounds and these shadows from the past. But even that, even after going to the Lord and some of that, sometimes there's a deeper level of wound that just needs some professional help. And so the third level, the the third counselor would be an actual counselor, a licensed counselor trained and equipped to help properly uncover and process things in your soul, right? If I can just speak bluntly for a second, I think the Big C Church has done a horrible job at this one right here, referring people to get medical and professional help when it's needed. According to a recent study by the National Alliance of Mental Health, they found that non-Christians are twice as likely to seek counseling and professional help for mental illness. There's this, within the Christian community and and faith people, there's this thick stigma against seeing a counselor or getting any type of professional help. And here's the deal. For, for most of my life, until a few years ago, I found myself convinced that if I went to a counselor, that was a sign of weakness and that was a sign of a lack of faith. And the Lord has set me free from that. The Lord has set me free from that. On my journey, I have found that, my goodness, you can be a born-again, spirit-filled believer and have stuff in your soul and have somebody that's licensed, trained, went to school, knows how your soul works better than you know how to work it and can help get to those roots a lot quicker than years after years of praying and snotting at the altar and not getting any victory or results could do. Come on, somebody. And so, man, on my journey, I've found that employing a few counselors along the way has really, really helped. Obviously, I go to the Lord and the Holy Spirit first, always. My beautiful wife, Erica, she's been a a rock for me to help me just talk to and process about some of these things that I've been dealing with. Uh, My good friend, Michael, from Bible school, he's listened to me talk for hours on the phone, often on Wednesday nights, uh, just about some of these things and what the Lord's showing me. And and I'm I'm not afraid. I'm I'm not intimidated and I'm not shamed anymore to say that about once or twice a month, I see a Christian counselor virtually that helps me work through these things because I want to be a healthy pastor. Amen? Because I believe if the pastor is healthy, the sheep can be healthy. 
And I don't want to hide behind faith confessions and different classes and things and expect that they go away. I want to get to the root. And the Holy Spirit's been doing some jujitsu type surgery on this crap in my life quickly. 17 years, a wreck. Two years, my gosh, I still got a long way to go. How many goes? We're all a work in progress. Amen. But my goodness, and, and I love it. And so some of you are like, you know what? I, I don't go there. I don't want to do that. Maybe your action step today is, hey, start asking the Lord, hey, what, what would that look like if I stepped out of my comfort zone a little bit and started talking to somebody, even if it made me more uncomfortable? Now, a couple things about counseling, just real quick. Number one, it's a lot like surgery. It hurts really bad, but it makes you feel really better in the end. Amen? Right? Number two, eat the hay, spit out the sticks. I like to see a Christian counselor because at least they have my biblical worldview and can direct me some Bible verses. But if you see somebody secularly, sometimes that helps too. But not everything they say is the word of the Lord. Eat the hay, spit out the sticks. Don't let a label or a box be put on you that God doesn't want to put on you. Amen? But God bless them. They went to a lot more school than you did and know how your brain works a little bit better than you do. Amen? So they can help you with some questions. The third one I think we get hung up on the most is it costs money. It's an investment. And for those of us that get hung up on, I can't do that because we can't afford it. I don't want to spend money on that. I'd rather do this. How much is your soul, your marriage, and your kids worth to you? I would say priceless. You can't put a price on that, right? For some of us, the cost of not seeing a counselor with some of the deep trauma and wounds that we have is astronomical. The, The dysfunction that will continue to outplay itself in our lives and every generation after that. Remember, the buck can stop with us today, amen? So when we get to the place where we're honest with ourselves, the, the key about this help, getting help and counseling is we got to become honest with our pain. Because when we can get to a place where we can tell the truth about our story, even though it's jacked up and messed up, and we can tell the truth about our pain, that's where real healing can happen. You remember when you were a kid? Parents, you might have this. Kids come rushing in the room, like you can't even breathe like breathe first step one breathe (laughs) step two what happened what hurts where does it hurt how bad does you're like oh my gosh the kid's dying right in the name of it's like he stubbed his toe his sister took his toy breathe now y'all back i'm gonna make sure we're breathing in here whoo heavy stuff Once you locate it and you start processing it, you can now have the right healing path. Amen? Where does it hurt and why does it hurt? And what's the root of that hurt? Get to it. Love the Lord in there. It's going to help you. Amen? So because John and John 8.32, Jesus said this, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The truth about your pain, the truth about your wounds, the truth about those shadows actually can set you free. Amen? So we gain awareness of them. We process our wounds and shadows with some people. And the last one, number three, is this. Surrender them to the Lord. Surrender them to the Lord. Our wounds, our shadows can best be healed in the hands of the Lord. Amen? He's the healer. He's where our healing comes from. Right? Sometimes when people are sick or wounded in the natural They seek out the best medical facilities. They seek out the best surgeons, the best specialists, the best doctors, because they want the best chance of care to get health and healing. Amen? We have that opportunity for us every single day. His name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. He is the great physician. 
There is no one higher than him. Amen? He knows how every cell has been knit together, every hair on our head, and he knows the deepest, darkest places in our soul, those dark nights of the soul that we wish not remember. We're not digging up dirt to make us more dysfunctional. We're digging it up so we can get victory on it and move on and not pass that thing on to three, four generations. Amen? He wants to make you healthy. He wants to make us better, and his name is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord that heals. Amen? And so... What do we do with our wounds and shadows? We give them to the Lord. Because in Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17, it says, For he will restore my health to you and heal your wounds, says the Lord. He'll restore health to you and he'll heal your wounds. God's the one that can handle our wounds and our shadows the most. He's not scared or intimidated by them. And then in the well-known verse in Psalm 147, verse 3, a lot of us have maybe memorized this or quoted this or heard this at one point. It says, he, the Lord, heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. A couple key words there. Heals, brokenhearted, wounds. The Hebrew word for heals is literally rafa. It means healer. It means physician. It means cure. It means mend, to repair, to make whole. So he heals, he cures, he repairs, he makes whole. The brokenhearted. The Hebrew word for that is lave. It refers to the inner person, the mind, the will, and emotions, a.k.a. the soul. So he heals the soul. He raffas the soul. He restores the soul. And he binds up their wounds. Wounds is any pain, any hurt, any iniquity, any sorrow you carry. So the Bible, God's word in, in Psalm 147 verse 3 reminds us that God's power is unlimited. That he's mighty enough to heal any pain and any trauma and any wound in our lives, no matter when it happened, how it happened, or how long ago it happened. He's the great physician. He's able to reach into our past, heal us, and propel us into our futures. Amen? Now that verse also says, he heals the brokenhearted. Realize this, it's a journey. He already paid the price on the cross and took his wounds. We already celebrated that. But the healing journey of the soul sometimes takes time. Sometimes it can be instant. I believe for some, uh, some today, it might just bam. The name of Jesus, I'm not going there anymore, and I'm healed for that. But a lot of us, we're going to have to face our fears and go to those rooms and re- allow him to heal and continue to heal us in the brokenhearted ways that we have. He also binds up our wounds. Man, he's such a good physician. He takes the time to tenderly clean our wound and address our wound and bandage it up right so that it will heal and often bear fruit. You see, one of the scariest, most intimidating, but life-giving things you can do is when you bring a wound or a shadow to the Lord and you allow him to take it from being a wound and turn it into a scar. Surgeries always have scars with them. But when a wound has time to heal and turn into a scar, there's a story there's a testimony. There's a victory. There's a breakthrough. Come on. And so no longer can we let the wounds just be wounds. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to kind of poke at those festering wounds in our soul. You're like, ah, no, ah, and let him get in there and clean that out. Bring it to the forefront and surrender it to him because he is the Lord that restores our soul. And here's what I know. Because of the scars of Jesus, we can have redemption, amen? Because of the wounds that he bore for us and the scars that he bears, we can let go, we can forgive, 
we can heal. We can get back up. We cannot be fearful. We can be free. Come on, somebody. We can stop being afraid of our shadow, right? We can stop running the negative scripts in our brain and in our soul. We will not have to allow the wound to affect how we live or act because of the healing power of Jesus in our life. When we surrender our our wounds to Jesus, we allow the light of the world to walk into the darkest places of our soul and shine his light and his truth and his healing power in our souls. And that, my friends, is life change. Amen? And so I believe God wants all of this for every one of us, for you, for me, for our church, for our community. And I believe it comes through faith in Jesus, but also doing these things of the Holy Spirit, search me and know me, Give me awareness of these things. Help me process these things with some safe people in my life. And at the end of the day, help me surrender them to you, knowing that you're the great physician. You're the one that heals. Amen. Let's go to the Father right now in this moment and just give him this, our very best. Father, we love you so much. We come to you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. And we ask you to heal and to restore and to do a supernatural work, Father God. But Lord, we also are grateful and thankful for your wisdom, for your your knowledge. Lord, I pray for awareness of what we're up against. Jesus, you're in our hearts and we love you. Lord, help us understand what grandpa in our bones means. And not to be resentful of it or shameful of it, but have courage to face it and to do something about it, Father, to heal from it to rewrite the story for our family tree for generations to come. Father God, we thank you that you'd bring to mind safe people, people in our corner that we can process. Maybe maybe for some of us today, we actually verbalize something that's been going on in our soul for years that no one close to us or any loved ones have ever known. We're gonna have the courage this week to sit down and just share some stuff, to get some perspective on some stuff, to not be afraid if it gets a little worse and ugly before it gets better, knowing that Jesus, you're walking us through the healing process. And lastly, Lord, Help us be people of faith that bring all of this and surrender all of this to you. For you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that can heal and does heal. And so, Father God, we just ask you to come into our presence right now in this space, in these next few moments, and do a supernatural work. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.